Welcome back to Birching the West. I'm your host, Eldon Stahl, with the show where we talk about everything related to being an educational activist, sometimes called a bircher with the John Birch Society, trying to educate everybody on all aspects of liberty and uh, organize them. We have a very special guest with us today. His name is Mike Posters. He's uh, just come on fairly recently, I believe, as the coordinator with the John Birch Society in Arizona and New Mexico. So if you have friends that are in that area, have them talk with Mike. But uh, wanted to welcome you, uh, Mike, and, and thank you for coming on the show. Well, good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Well, uh, so I understand, Mike, um, you've been able to have some success or make some inroads. A lot of our, our viewers and our listeners are going to be uh, of course, aware of this all of 2020, we've gone through all these different mandates from the government saying, you can't do this, you got to stay home, you got to wear this, you got to, I don't know, jump through a hoop of uh, fire, or I don't know what to, we're going to do to um, try to please them. But uh, uh, I'd like to get kind of your your take and your experience on what uh what has worked, maybe what hasn't worked in trying to push back on some of these mandates. And so, uh, take it away. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, what you said is is absolutely correct. And, and uh, uh, you know, just to, to kind of give a, a background a little bit, I, I think first what I'd like to say is it's, it's not just me, I, I have, uh, uh, two section leaders, uh, Don O'Daniel and Harold Stratling, that uh, we would not have been able to accomplish what we've accomplished thus far uh, without the team. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that uh, when I became, became active with uh, the JBS in, in this role, that's one of the things that I found right away, and it has been invaluable. Uh, is to is to have good people to work with, and they certainly are. And so, um, you know, I, I uh, appreciate their efforts in, in making a lot of this uh, come to fruition with me. Uh, there have been over the last few months two uh, primary priorities in uh, my region and the Arizona New Mexico region that uh, we've been working on. Um, there are two statutes, one in each state. In uh, Arizona, it's called Statute 36-787. Uh, and in uh, New Mexico, it's New, Ma New Mexico Statute 1978. Uh, they're nearly the same bill, so or the same law, rather, the same statute, I should say, properly. Uh, and I'll, I'll drill down on that in just a second. Uh, the second priority is election reform. Republican, Democrat, that, that's not the issue. The issue is to have voting occur constitutionally according to what the Constitution, the law of the land, mandates. And so those are the two things that, that we've been working on. And I can, uh, I, I believe that, that you know, the primary focus, and correct me if I'm wrong, Eldon, you kind of want to stick with the mandates with regard to business closures, uh, uh, masks, all this kind of stuff. And we can touch on the election reform if you want, but am I, am, is my presumption correct? 
I'd be happy to talk about election reform too, if you if you'd like. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we start with the with with the statutes first, and then and okay. then we can kind of uh, move into that if if you like, or or sure. uh, I, I'm I'm an open book, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. First, firstly, the process. Um. Uh. I was, I was in my office um, and I, I always, uh, or very often I have the, the news channels on in the background, you know, and I was, I could not figure out how in Arizona, Governor Ducey believed that he had the right to uh, point at a private business and shut it down or a church or a synagogue or, or what have you. Um, and then a bar, for instance, is an essential business, uh, but a church is not. It just it it was just ridiculous to me. Yeah. Uh, I've read the U.S. Constitution actually more than once, and uh, I wow. uh, I've not seen the supposed right of the of of the governor or of any of these governors listed anywhere in the US Constitution. So as a matter of fact, Eldon, as you and I both know, and I'm sure most of our viewers know, the Constitution constrains government authority. It doesn't enable more of it. And so um, I recalled uh, as I was listening to this stuff on the television, I recalled hearing Governor Ducey mention on several occasions Arizona Statute 36. And um, my, uh, we're allowed to give personal opinions on here, right? Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, my personal opinion is that our governor is not the brightest bulb on the tree. So, <laughs> again, personal opinion. But I, I just moved um, from Montana, so what can you say? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I. Um, I, I gathered that the New Mexico governor was uh, a little more clever um, with, with New Mexico statute 1978 because I didn't hear her banding that around all over the place, you know. Uh, while uh, in Arizona, Governor Ducey was practically advertising his authority under 36-787. So, um, when I drilled down on uh, 36 787, I was, uh, to be frank about it, I was appalled. Um, you know, the, my section leader and several of our chapter leaders, we got the wording and we reviewed it. And what we found out was that uh, under a state of emergency, and that's, that's the crux of this whole thing, under state of emergency, uh, the governor, uh, has frankly unconstitutional powers uh, that have been granted in this statute uh, for these mandates that, that we've talked about, uh, business closures, et cetera. But furthermore, it, it provides for forced vaccinations upon the citizenry. And I was shocked because uh, although we've had some come up and since here, here recently, we've, we've, you know, Arizona is viewed as a pretty constitutionally abiding state, you know? And so uh, I was very surprised by this. And uh, there, again, there's no provisions for this whatsoever in the US Constitution. Now, additionally, what, what we found out in our research 
on this statute. And again, New Mexico 1978 is virtually the same thing in some areas worded almost identically to the Arizona statute 36. So uh, a few additional um, uh, provisions is that the governor may ration medications and that's any medication. So let, let me throw out an example here. We're in, in, in Arizona and New uh -oh. Mexico, uh -oh. we're still under a Wuhan virus state of emergency, right? Yeah. As, as every other state is. Okay. The, the way that statute 36787 is written is that the governor can, man, can uh, ration any medication. So ostensibly, the governor under a Wuhan virus state of emergency, the governor can ration your heart medication or your pain medication or your MS medication, or uh, it doesn't even have to do with the stated state of emergency, which to me was, I, I couldn't believe that. So, uh, so this, the governor becomes a pharmacist. Yeah, or your doctor, or yeah. yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're the, uh, I don't know what, what the governors of either New Mexico or, or uh, Arizona, I don't know what their credentials are in that regard, uh, but it, their potential lack of credentials in that area makes me a little nervous about them regulating my heart medication. <laughs> so, uh, and I almost, when I read this, I almost had a heart attack and I'm not on heart medication. So, um, right. a, second, a second provision is that um, with regard to the mandatory vaccines that uh, are in 36787, the, the, the governor, uh, if you refuse the vaccine, the governor in this statute may send out law enforcement or the National Guard to enforce the vaccine order. Send it out to you. Uh, it's um, astounding. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, do you think you can turn down the speaker? Pick it up a little feedback, like when I talk. Sure. Yeah. Let's see how that works. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. A little technical stuff, you know. So, yes. Yeah. Um, so, Grandma, the governor, the governor may not be a doctor, but I'm, I, I'm not an internet guru either, obviously. <laughs> so, so, uh, so the governor decides that Grandma needs to uh, not have so much heart medication because there's an emergency about the Wuhan virus, and he sends out the National Guard. Uh, yeah. How how is that in in any way? Uh, you know, protecting liberty or freedom at all? Well, that, that's the question, isn't it? And, and um, yeah. you know, it would be one thing, and I'm not even sure I'd be in, agree in agreement with, for instance, uh, rationing hydroxychloroquine, which is what one would think in a Wuhan virus state of emergency, you know? Yeah. Uh, but to go further, as you're, as you're saying, with uh, heart medication or pain medication or, or what have you, uh, that's the question, isn't it? How is that? How is that protecting uh, the state? And and uh, you got me on that one. Yeah, I, I maybe maybe somebody has an answer to that. I I kind of doubt it, unless they're really uh, you know want to be total government people. But uh, so um, 
so I imagine, have you shared, I imagine you've shared some of these things with others and what have they said or were they aware of it? Were they not aware of it? Did they just brush it off? Well, no, uh, frankly, none of us were aware of this. Um, uh, you know, my section leaders were uh, as baffled by this and, and astounded, frankly, as I was. Uh, our membership was not aware of it. Um, I, there's a couple in, in the area in which I live. I have a couple of good friends that are attorneys, um, you know, and they they could not they could not believe it. They could not believe that this was and 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 not just because of of what I've covered so far, but the fact that it's so utterly open ended. Um, you know, as I, as I progress here, you'll see that there are absolutely no checks and balances whatsoever. Um, you know, the kind of thing that you would expect in legislation where you have perhaps, let's say, time constraints or you have uh, constraints on, on the degree of, of power that's exuded or, or you know, th those things are typically in good legislation are typically spelled out and they are not in this legislation at all anywhere. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's a big problem. <laughs> I hope whatever you want to call it, but Michael, could I ask you a question? Yeah, go right ahead. Uh, what What is your answer to those who say that in in an emergency situation, such as a infectious disease going around, how how are you going to protect the citizens without doing something like this? Well. That's a good question. The, the, um, you know, every situation like that is going to be a case by case situation, isn't it? Because it depends on what, uh, what, what the situation or what the, the emergency is, you know, for instance, if it's a, if it's a, a virus, like we're, we're in right now, that's different than say a, uh, um, you know, some sort of a, of a major uh, gas main explosion or something, you know, where, where there's, there's harmful chemicals being disseminated that way. So it, it, it really depends on the situation. But the answer is not the obfuscation of, of people's rights. You know, the, the answer is not just this blanket, um, you know, uh, in some cases unending until the government, until the governor rather says, okay, we're, we're done. As a matter of fact, uh, right now, and I, I, I hope I'm answering your question directly, but right now we have a bill in our legislature that ends the state of emergency. So we, we have a myriad of legislators there that put this bill in that believe, okay, we're, we're done with this. It's been a year almost. And, uh, and there is no indication from the governor's office that he has any inclination to end, to, to end this, you know? So it's really a case by case circumstance and, and um, uh, you know, the provision is there for, for uh, government agencies to act uh, when needed, depending upon what the situation is, but to, to broad brush it with, with a uh, statute like this with no limitations, no checks and balances, uh, that, is, that is a clear violation of the constitution is not the answer. Yeah, that's certainly, a, uh, I, I've seen that uh, 
situation play out where they just keep on extending it. And it's once you've probably seen Lord of the Rings, right? Well, some of you have, (laughs) some people have. And there's a scene there where uh, somebody had an opportunity to throw that ring, which represents total power into the abyss. And he didn't, he says too tempting, right? Uh, So once you have that absolute power, very, very difficult to let go of that. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, um, yeah, that, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and uh, you know, and I've never seen a piece of good legislation that doesn't have checks and balances, you know, and, and it's, it's uh, as far as what's in statute 36 787 and New Mexico, 1978, uh, you know, just just the fact that there's scary stuff in there, in, in my opinion, uh, is bad enough. But then when there's when there's no ending to it, there's no nothing in there. And, and you have to have an act of a legislature to say, you know what, the governor's not doing anything about this. We're going to step in here. I mean, the legislature doesn't do anything quick. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's my yeah. experience. And it's 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 astounding that we've gotten to the the point in this state where uh, I believe it's uh, 1001 is the uh, is the bill to uh, end the the state of emergency here, and it's it's amazing that we've gotten to this point where the legislature has now had to step in to to uh, fill in where there is no check or balance. So, so another question, Michael would i would I be on off base if I were to say? Under the Constitution, everyone has the the right as well as the responsibility to assess the risks of society and their lives, and and the and the right to decide how they're going to respond to that risk. And I is there any am I off base there? Is there anything in the Constitution that gives the government the, the right to tell me how to assess the risks of health or anything else? No, I think I think you're spot on, and and of course, um, and and many people, one of the first things that uh, uh, they think of when you bring up the U.S. Constitution is personal liberty and and uh, responsibility, and uh, so no, I think you're I think you're spot on there, and um, uh, you know we we've heard for many years now my my body my choice right, and uh, with regard to the the abortion argument. And uh, I've been struggling to understand the differentiation between that slogan with abortion and with uh, you or me or anyone else receiving a vaccine. Uh, I'm not anti-vax. That's, that's not what this is about. This is about me making the decision, as you say, whether I want the vaccine or not. I don't need someone in Phoenix telling me or, or bringing a needle up to me and saying, here you go, I, that's my decision. So Harold, I can't, uh, I can't agree with you more. I think you're spot on there. Could I ask a question? Can you hear me? Yes. Um, what are the uh, members of the John Birch Society in Arizona doing to uh, combat or possibly doing away with 36787? Well, that's a great question. And um, 
you must have a working crystal ball there because you were somehow able to read my mind. Um, um, one, before I answer that, one other thing I wanted to uh, I wanted to mention under this statute, and again, this is very very similar, if not exact, to uh, New Mexico 1978, is that uh, if you were to refuse the law enforcement or National Guard urging, we'll say you to to receive the vaccine, in 36-77, the governor has the supposed authority uh, to quarantine that person at a facility of the governor's choosing for any length of time the governor chooses. So now we're going, Eldon, one, one step beyond once again. We're completely obfuscating the due process rights right. of citizens with this statute. It, it's mind boggling in, in its unconstitutionality. So um, to answer, I believe that was Donna, to answer Donna's uh, question, in, in Arizona and New Mexico, we've made this in what we, in what we call in the John Birch Society an action item. Uh, the, the first um, thing that we did is that members uh, called, wrote letters, emailed, state legislators not asking, but politely demanding the rescission of this statute, 36-787. Uh, and, and we've been doing that uh, to a lesser degree in New Mexico as well. Uh, over a period of three or four months, we obtained seven legislators that with, uh, in the state of Arizona uh, with us that stated that they would help craft a bill to rescind the statute, not to fix it, not to, or try to fix it, not to change the wording, uh, nothing like that, but, but it's, it's bad legislation. There are no checks and balances. It needs to be gone. And they agreed to that. Uh, section leaders, members, and myself have had private calls and meetings with various state legislators to support this effort. During one of those calls, I read the specific wording of statute 36787 that addresses the forced vax and med medication rationing to a legislator. And when I finished reading it, his immediate response, the one thing he said was that's scary. That was, that was the response he had. He had never heard of 36787. Uh, it's unconstitutional, uh, unconstitutional provisions uh, prior to the JBS uh, and our phone call. Uh, he further responded to me that I will absolutely help in getting this statute repealed. So there we are. From never hearing about the statute to a commitment for uh, rescission of the bill or of the statute in one phone call. It's important for people, not just, not just John Birch Society members, but it's, it's for everyone. It's important to know that your legislators don't know, they don't necessarily know about unconstitutional statutes, resolutions, or laws in your state. Um, some of them, I think we know all too well, I'm sorry to say, uh, don't even know the, the full wording on current bills that are before them or current statutes that they're, that they're voting on. So, um, you know, they rely on us. They rely on their constituents 
to contact them and make them aware of we want of what we want them to do or in, in maybe more cases not to do. So um, that's to answer your question. That's where we're at right now. We've got a meeting. Uh, we've got two meetings with two different legislators in uh, about the coming week uh, with myself uh, and with uh, members that are getting updates on these statutes. So in addition to, to making them aware and letting them know, uh, matter of factly, what your uh, stance is on any particular given issue, it's important to follow up. Uh, if you can, I mean, people are busy, people have families, and, and I realize all that, but we are talking about uh, the Republic and we're talking about unconstitutional laws that shouldn't exist. So that's pretty important. And uh, you, it, it is um, important that you or, or perhaps someone, if you're, if you're working in a group on something like this, that someone in your group follows up with these legislators to find out what the status is. Sounds like making appointments, learning about things yourself, educating yourself and then educating others and uh, then organizing. Well, well, right. And then yeah. and that's, uh, you know, in the John Birch Society, that's what's so wonderful about the JBS is that we have, you're talking about organizing and things like that. We have, we're a boots on the ground network. We're an action network. And so, um, you know, when we come across unconstitutional issues like this, we're ready to go. And, and uh, we have, a, 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 as I say, boots on the ground that can contact legislators almost immediately in, in, in regards to this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, is, now, Mike, you mentioned something, of, I think previously that you, there's a statute in other states or something like yes. that. Yes. You were able to find it. Yes, that's right. For instance, in, in Utah, uh, you have Utah Title 36. And uh, now uh, let me, the caveat here <laughs> is that is that I'm a coordinator for the JBS for Arizona and New Mexico, and, and, and I'm best versed there, of course. But, um, you know, there were, there were cursory things that we were able to find out. And uh, in Utah, you have Title 36, which a lot of these provisions are in that Title 36. And, and you folks in Utah, um, you know, I would think if, if, you, if you agree with one or more of these, of these issues, that's something I would think you would wanna call your legislators about and um, not ask, but politely demand that you know, you want these types of provisions uh, repealed. Uh, I believe, Eldon, also there's one in Nevada, but unfortunately, at, at the moment, I can't, uh, I can't recall what, what that statute or, or uh, what that law uh, is, is titled as. But um, if memory serves, there's one in Nevada as well. Uh, probably is. The, the, uh, I've heard that their governor is pretty strict on these things. He's decided that he's king and all that fun stuff. But uh, we know that he's not king. Um, but we'll have to do some digging for Nevada. But thank you. Yeah, we'll uh, have to read up on Title 36 in Utah. Everybody that lives in Utah, I'm, I'm actually just across the border in, in Wyoming. Our, uh, our governor has decided that uh, 
you know, he's a Republican, but he's he's a fan of some of these things. He's not exactly this uh, freedom-loving guy. It seems like we found out pretty quick. So that's well, yeah. It, it it's you know, it, again, we're not um, we're not talking party here. You know, we're talking we're, we're talking constitutionality. We're talking about. Uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Democrat, if you're if you're viewing this, we're talking about your rights here. Mr. and Mrs. Republican, if you're watching this, we're talking about your rights. So, um, you know, I, I, I realize the party uh, uh, component and everything. I get that. But, um, you know, that's that's not what we're talking about here. We we want to uh, contain uh, unconstitutional uh, laws. We want to protect the the rights for the individual, and uh, it matters not if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, what have you. If uh, even it will, will even if you're in the Whig Party, you should support this. So, <laughs> <laughs> if there's any of those left, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, we we should we should all uh, you know have concern over this, no matter what your party affiliation is. Yeah, very well put. Could I ask another question? It's your show, Alden. Uh, yeah, of course, people can <laughs> ask questions. Um, well, uh, given what happened with the stealing of the election in November um, and the total uh, um, control now in the federal government given over to the Democrats from the House of Representatives and uh, U.S. Senate and the presidency. Um, what can the states do to uh, rein in the federal government from taking more of our rights away? Because if they uh, pr proceed, uh, we are going to lose all of our rights and it won't matter what the state statute says, we won't have anything. And uh, perhaps can we fight back through nullification? Is that is that for you, Alden, or is that for me? Oh, I thought it was for you. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I put my stamp of approval on nullification as the founders described it, not as uh, some of these demagogues like to uh, uh, portray it. Uh, we just had a, a a bill in South Dakota that was for forming a committee to evaluate the mm -hmm. constitutionality of federal actions and decide whether or not to uh, prohibit state employees from um, implementing those. That's that's well within, if a state is sovereign at all, shouldn't they have the ability to control the work requirements of state employees? Of course. And that's been upheld by the uh, the courts as well, that's called anti-commandeering doctrine, but it is a form of nullification. It's a very simple one. But didn't mean to steal your comment. Maybe you had something else, of course, on that. Well, no, I, I concur with you, uh, of, of course. And I think the only thing I would add is that uh, nullification isn't an agenda as is portrayed by people that have a lack of standing or that perhaps have their own agenda. Not that that ever happens, of course, mm -hmm. but uh, nullification is not an agenda. Uh, it's a process. And 
That's exactly right. Uh, the states are guaranteed that process, the process of nullification uh, in the Constitution. And uh, yes, if, if uh, a state or if the individuals in that state are uh, being put upon uh, by, uh, there's a term I want to use, I was going to say federal overlords, but... <laughs> <laughs> by, but by the federal government, if their state or the individuals are being put upon by, uh, some, by an edict or by a, a law that comes down from uh, Washington, D.C., that, uh, that is precisely right. That is put in there for that state and for that citizenry's uh, uh, protection. And that's a guarantee that we have. So again, it's not an agenda, it's a process. And every state has that, is, is guaranteed that right. So you're absolutely correct on that. Yeah, good question. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if we should transfer, we talked about uh, possibly going into the election integrity. I don't know if you wanna go into that at this point, or if we want to go more into uh, what people can do about the pushing back on the mandates, but uh, uh, we got a good start on that, I think, at least, uh, right? Uh, congratulations, by the way, to getting it this far in Arizona. That's really admirable. You're able to mobilize. On, on behalf of all of the JBS membership that's that has worked so hard on it, uh, I will say thank you on behalf of all of them. And, uh, <laughs> And yet, it doesn't happen by yes, one person. That's right. Amen. Amen. And and uh, we can get into some of the election stuff. I've I'm I'm loaded for bear here. I'm ready to go. If I've got <laughs> my coffee, you could have me here all day. So okay, okay. But yeah, um, um, so let's talk about the election integrity type of stuff. Uh, that's certainly a big concern on many people's minds. Um, what can the average person do about making sure that our elections are secure, that we have confidence that when we cast a vote that it's actually counted, uh, that somebody else didn't vote for us, uh, that dead people aren't uh, coming out of the grave and voting somehow, you know, what do we do? So what's your well, thought? Well, there's two things for me uh, that immediately come to mind with a question like that is, is the first one, once again, let's go back to contacting your legislators. They don't have crystal balls. Uh, they don't have, um, you know, they're not mind readers. And so unless you contact them, how are they to know where you stand? And so with regard to election reform, it's, it's important uh, that you, and in an unequivocal way, let your legislators know where you stand. And uh, the, the second part of that is, is to um, identify yourself with, uh, perhaps a, a group that has the same concern so that you can, it, there's empowerment through numbers. And uh, of course, naturally to me, the group that I think of is the John Birch Society. Um, and I, we, we talked about this briefly, but in answer to this question too, I just want to, I want to reiterate that, that, um, you know, it's not just, um, it's not just a, a place to go gripe, uh, if you'll pardon me for, for saying that, but it's the John Birch Society is an action network. We have boots on the ground. So you have a system there 
to wit, you can you can take these concerns, you can you can formulate your your plan of action, and then you can go to the legislators, to the governor, to the secretary of state as a cohesive unit and say, look, uh, we're just pleased with this, or we need we need this to happen, and uh, and and you're you're in a in a a, a group in an empowered group that that people take notice of. And I can tell you that most certainly with the actions that we've gotten on statute 36 and with regard to election reform, we've, we've, um, uh, we've gotten a lot of attention from the legislature. Um, so uh, what, we, what we decided to do, and this was early on, is, is we decided to come out with a, with a four-point plan or a four-point agenda. And we, we, we kept it small and we kept it concise, Eldon, because whether we were on the phone with legislators, whether we were uh, perhaps having John Birch Society chapter meetings, whether we were at a rally and we were talking to fellow patriots, we wanted something that was, was clear-cut and concise that we could share quickly. Um, if we wanted to, we could have made it a 16-point white paper, you know. <laughs> but uh, the four things that we touched on that 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 we demand is in-person voting, voting day, not voting week, because we've seen what's happened by extending the voting now. All the, you know, ballots that that. Uh, you know, aren't certified. I, I don't need to review this whole thing. Everybody yep. lived just as I did, right? The third thing is uh, GOP and Democrat Party representatives present at an appropriate range to view the vote counting. And the fourth item is uh, ballots counted in the precincts in which they are cast. No more, ta uh, you know, tabulators. No more sending votes off to God only knows where to, to Washington D.C. or Europe or wherever. The ballots are to be counted in the precincts in which they were cast. So that's our four-point program. Now, after we put that together, we found out that that uh, we have some astute legislators, particularly in Arizona, that were right with us. Uh, one of the legislators that I spoke with personally already has a bill ready with those four points uh, in them. So that's not a lot of work, is it? I mean, for those of you that are watching this and thinking, oh my gosh, as if I, you know, I've got my job, you know, I, I've got a, you know, I've got the kids on the weekend. I, you know, I, I, I don't have time for all this. One phone call you know, showed me that a legislator already had all of our points in there. And so th thereby you could, if, if even if you're watching television one night or, or, or whatever, you could have your laptop on and you could be sending emails to the legislator saying, I support this legislation. I support this bill. It, it, it didn't turn out to be a long, arduous thing of, of get, getting a bill put together. We found out a legislator already had one ready to go. So that really um, makes the job much easier. And uh, we wouldn't have known that, of course, without a little engagement, though. That's right. Well, it sounds like, in a way, it's good marketing, because uh, I, I know we've, we, we just got this, art, this article in, in uh, 
front page of the New American, right, the feature article, and it had a long list of things that should be done to change things. But if you kind of break it down, at least to the real high priority stuff, and people can latch onto that. And so it's not like uh, Woodrow Wilson's 14 points or some something that's right a little tougher to to review and to memorize. This is a pretty good. You're, you're not going to let me. You're not going to get me started on Woodrow Wilson, are you? <laughs> no, it's just our daughter. She she's in Freedom Project Academy, so we we just read together about the Versailles Treaty, and I was helping her understand that. So that just you know been on my mind lately. I'm trying to explain to her. Um, Eldon, could I could I make a comment that yeah you made you made a, a statement about marketing part of the marketing, and I I really like the the title of restoring election integrity because it sends a message. You know, it's almost like I, I, don't, I can't imagine that this really happened, but every mainline news says the same exact words, unbased, unsubstantiated claims or unbased claims. That's in every everything you see. I don't know how it got to all the way around everybody, but somehow it did. Well, this is a message that implies that, that there is a restoration needed. And so we're somewhat countering that unsubstantiated claims by the, the title. I think we ought to use that a lot in, in what we're, uh, I think that's even better than election reform. I think it should be re restoring something that was lost. So it's just a, my observation. I thought it was a brilliant name that the John Birch Society chose. Yeah, I think it's very uplifting. We've had many campaigns, stop this, stop that. Uh, of course, that's it's nice to be for something, and uh, and election integrity is something much more tangible than say reform. Well, reform what? It, that could be virtually anything when you talk about reform, but election integrity certainly um, means something that uh, restoring that means we've we've deviated from that, and a lot of I think like like you said, Mike, many of the legislators don't know how far and how, you know, over time, last decades, we've deviated from real election integrity in the name of convenience many times outsold. Yep, that's correct. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I suppose it would take a, each state is a little different as to what laws they've adopted to make their elections uh, susceptible to fraud and corruption. Uh, so that might take a little bit of investigation, but uh, uh, have you found something that's really common among different states that they, you know, they need need to correct that's causing big issues? Well, yes, certainly. Um, um, I, I, th I think, as you just alluded to, the extension of the time frame where, uh, and, and even in this last election, we saw votes being uh, admitted and tabulated after the cutoff date. I mean, you, you've already got in some cases three, four, five days a week, what, you know, two weeks. I mean, you know, and so, uh, and then you have what, what should be uh, non-viable votes because they're, they're not in at the, at the appropriate time being counted. And of course, that opens the whole thing up to, uh, to corruption, in, you know, incredibly. I mean, uh, um, 
you know, and I can, I can explain that more if need be. I, I don't think I need to. I think most people know what I mean by that. But uh, so I think, I think certainly the time frame is, 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 is a, a big issue. Um, and, you know, if you recall, we used to never have these problems, did we? Right, right. I mean, when we when we were voting with with an absentee, for instance, I was in a I was involved in a, in a car accident. For instance, I had uh, someone pull out in front of me from a parking lot, and um, in that kind of a, a situation, I would have had to vote absentee, and that is understandable. Uh, you know, one for as long as I've been alive, uh, which is more years than I care to think of, but. Um, you know, you've been able to obtain an absentee ballot and you, you just give them the reason why you need the ballot and you get it. And uh, uh, so this, this, uh, and we didn't have those problems then. It was, it was a, it was a legitimate uh, set out process uh, that everyone knew, everyone was aware of and, and, and it worked. And now this whole thing, oh, gee whiz, you know, we, 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 we've got to give people a week, two weeks, blah, 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 to get to the, you know, and, and, and uh, mail-in ballots. And it's just, it, and we see the, just the, you know, we were counting ballots for days, for a week more, you know, and we never used to have that. You know, we're, we're supposed to be a, a, a more, um, uh, you know, technologically advanced, enlightened uh, uh, country now. And, and here we're, we're back to, um, you know, voting like we're in a third world country. So, and I don't see this as being, once again, forgive me, but I don't see this as being Republican or Democrat. You know? Yeah, that's right. You know, corruption is corruption. And, and uh, taking weeks to count ballots is ridiculous. Um, if, if, if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, if you're an independent, you want your vote to count and you don't want it be, to be canceled out by, by someone else's vote who came in after the deadline and, and may or may not be legitimate. Could I ask a question? Yep. Yep. Ask um, so, uh, Mike, what do you think we should do about voting machines? Well, as our as our four point uh, manifesto or proviso states, uh, we we want we want voting by hand, counted by hand with Republicans and Democrats present. No machine tabulation, no machine voting. Uh, when when uh, I found out uh, almost right after the election, it seemed that uh, news reports were saying that the voting machines were connected to the internet. I, I you know, I, have a, I had the same response then that I have now. I mean, you see me closing my eyes and shaking my head because it, it's unbelievable that that kind of thing would be allowed in the United States of America, you know? So, so um, uh, you know, again, voting machines, and all of this was supposed to help us. It was supposed to aid us in, in getting the votes counted faster, so on and so forth. We have seen the exact opposite. So let's, let's do what we know works. Let's count the votes by hand. Let's have them tabulated election night. And we know who's elected. 
and 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 no more of this you know chicanery and just bringing up some of the resources we have yeah. and it's building we've got some uh reprints and also uh slim gyms it looks like we're going to have a booklet i don't know about a video if that's in the works hopefully but um so lots of things that our uh, members and activists can use on this i've got a little story actually on this uh we just moved to uh, wyoming from montana and we said okay we should register to vote so i went down to the county courthouse talked with the lady and she said, can you show me some ID? I said, okay. Uh, so I pulled out my Montana driver's license and she looked at that and she accepted it. And that was it. She didn't say, you know, can you show me a utility bill that you actually live here or anything like that? I actually had to give more identification to get a library card than I did to get uh, to register to vote. To me, that was pretty alarming. So, uh, you know, it makes you wonder, well, how many people are voting in Wyoming? That in Wyoming is a very small popu population state. How many people came over from Colorado or Utah or, or uh, you know, Montana, I don't know, to vote in Wyoming? And people just said, and we have same day registration here too. You could just drive over the border and say, well, I live in Wyoming. <laughs> um, I wanna vote. And you wouldn't even have to give a Wyoming identification. Uh, just alarming how lax it's become, even in a place like Wyoming. Yeah, you 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 need uh, if it seems as though you need more documentation if you're going to open a pet grooming facility than if you're going <laughs> to cast a vote for the president of the United States anymore. It's it's uh, I agree with you. It's stunning. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So, uh, so we have various um, resources. I would certainly recommend folks go to jvs.org slash vote. And you can learn all about that. You can send messages to state lawmakers, to your federal lawmakers. Um, there's a list of, let's see, problems and solutions. So specifically explaining why some of these things like the Motor Voter Act, the Help America Vote Act, those are federal acts. What should we do about that? Reinstating precincts, like, like you talked about, right, Mike? So it explains all yes. that, and you can we can point others to this. And I think I think there's some real possibilities. A lot of people are concerned about this issue. We had a comment on the chat. Let me make sure. No. Yes, I uh, I think the Stop the Steal rallies. Uh, illustrated your last point there, Eldon. <laughs> yes, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people are really alarmed at what happened. And um, Mike, how do you think we can reach those people? They, they're they very alarmed. They, they think like us to uh, have election integrity, but they don't know about the John Birch Society and they're just kind of one person out there. After the rally's over, they all go home. So what can we do to um, help get more people involved? Well, there, there are things that, that coordinators like Eldon and myself are doing. Um, you know, I've heard up in, um, 
uh, up around, uh, I think it's Eastern Washington or uh, Idaho there that they that they are using the tried and true method of things like billboards. Here in Arizona, we have two radio stations that are uh, playing uh, John Birch Society uh, PSAs, public service addresses uh, on, on the stations. Uh, I'll tell you something though. I think I think one of our right now anyway, one of our most powerful uh, tools is one thing that you mentioned actually, and that is the the rallies. Um, you know, patriots are going to these rallies. They're concerned about about what they have seen, what they have heard about um, you know the elect, election integrity issue, and. They're going there to let people know that, but moreover, they're also going there to talk with other patriots and try to come up with ideas and solutions and find out what answers there, there, that there are. I know in, in my region, we have a, um, I guess a, uh, I don't know what you would call it, sort of a, an, an action, a sort of a, a, a immediate action team, I guess. We call them go teams here. And we, uh, our, our go teams are ready and they can be ready to go to a rally that even springs up organically within a half an hour. And I can tell you that our go teams have been very effective indeed in, in answering some of these questions for people and uh, directing them toward the right answer right there at the rally, where, whether it's contacting the, their legislators or uh, you know, giving them the information on who their legislators are, or even becoming members of the John Birch Society. So we've, we've increased our membership by quite a bit through our GO teams and our efforts by attending rallies and uh, passing out information. Uh, very often when we are engaged with somebody, we'll have, uh, as Eldon said, a Slim Jim, which is a, a, a just a, a small informational uh flyer, if you will, that we can give to them that, that uh, gives them uh, the answer or a partial answer to what they're looking for. So, uh, you know, we've, we've, we're all here on Zoom right now, and it's working out tremendously, you know, um, it's a tried and true method, uh, and the radio spots and the billboards. But uh, in answer to your question, I think that it's going to be a long time before uh, face-to-face, belly-to-belly uh, communication is uh, ineffective. I think that that is still to this day, um, you know, whether you're going to, to rallies or um, fairs or you're going to parades or gun shows or whatever it is you're going to, uh, you know, that, that personal interaction, um, you, you're not, I can't think of anything more effective than that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, on these Slim Jims, you see there's kind of a blank space on the back. If you want, you could put an envelope sticker or even write it on there by hand, your contact information, maybe an email address or a phone number where they can get back to you. Uh, they're very inexpensive. You notice it's $3 for a pack of 25. If you order five of them, it's $2 for each packet. So it's, you know, that's very affordable and great we're using to pass out to just um, people at these rallies, a bullet point thing. It doesn't go so much into detail. Um, very, very good tool. Yeah, absolutely. Because people are busy at these rallies and 
you know, it's not like attending a, a lecture. Uh, you, you run into people, you've got, you know, you're doing things, they're doing things, you've got so long to talk to them. And, and you're absolutely right. A Slim Jim is a perfect way to communicate. Definitely. Yeah. Well, uh, we're kind of running up against the hour. Any other questions for, for Mr. Costers? Mr. Wow. Um, well, thank you, Alvin. You know, yeah, <laughs> you haven't been knighted yet, I suppose. We can't call you Sir Costa. <laughs> I think that's going to be a long time coming. <laughs> no, no. Okay, maybe not. All right. Well, so glad that everybody could be on today. Real good discussion. We covered two big issues of the election integrity and also pushing back on these mandates that have been pushed uh, in the name of public health and public safety. Uh, hopefully, uh, if you listen to this or if you watch this, you got some ideas. What, what can we do about this, right? Uh, try to organize with others. Share this video, like it, subscribe, comment if you see it on YouTube and all that. Uh, this is something that is very important to our liberties. If we let these things slide it's very difficult to get our, our freedom back because we, if we don't have election integrity, if we just let the governors decide that they're king and let that slide, well, it's difficult to say that we really have a republic anymore. We've got to be taking action and making a difference. And, all, and I think Mike has shown pretty well that all of us can make a difference, even if it's just a few. So uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing your time with us, Mike. Shared us uh, with us your this experience, and uh, hopefully we can spread this spread the word, and it can inspire others to uh, to also take action too. Well, thank you for having me, Alden. I enjoyed it, and I appreciate it. Yes, sir. It's uh, it's been fun. So, um, you know, maybe you'll be on another time. Uh, certainly, be be welcome to. I'm glad everybody could uh, join us. On uh, there we go on Birching the West, and uh, I guess we'll catch you all next time. Okay.